Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Lights, camera, action. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Table Reads, the podcast where we take scripts that have never been filmed and read them so that you might experience the joy of terrible writing that Hollywood has tried to deny you. Your hosts on this tour of unproduced dreck are Sean McBee and me, Trevor Thompson, who have written enough terrible nonsense together and apart that it should keep this show running forever. Yes, welcome to episode four of Table Reads, my fair Internet friends. So what script are we doing this episode and the and subsequent episodes? This is going to so be a multiple Today partner. we start reading Urban Folktale, which was the feature-length script that you and I wrote together that was based Oh man, it's, it it really is a convoluted origin, isn't it? Yeah. So we made we, we made a short story. And we didn't make it much easier to understand by doing Aftermath in the last episode, really. Right. Well, we made a short story about some characters who rob a bank. And then later, we decided that we wanted to take those characters and the setting and the name of the story and throw everything else away and make this story about some sad people who, ah, shucks, have a hard time in life and need to get past it. Yeah, and and they, and then and, and they, then we make the bank robbery story about different characters, and that is actually a prequel to this. And if you listened to our last episode, which I know you did, <laughs> you'll notice that the character of Randall will recur in this story, which takes place after aftermath. So yeah, that's what brought us to this version after we took the you know, we realized that the after the bank robbery idea could be used in some capacity, but we need to make a, a personal story. So let's take our star characters, Norman and Nikon, and maybe their girlfriends or whatever, and put them over here into this thing. And then of course, being super creative, we couldn't completely separate it, so we made Randall a constant in two stories. Um, I think we're ready to read. Um, so anyway, one more thing I wanted to say about this was uh, this is the third draft of the script. Um, Trevor wrote the first two drafts on a visit to L.A. And you were only there like two weeks, right? No, I, it, I did the first draft on the L.A. trip. And then I did the second one when I got back. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I just I just remember being blown away that you wrote a whole feature in such a short amount of time. Well, yeah, and that was the And even even my third draft that I wrote solo based on your previous drafts um that was you know had your entire thing to go by took me way longer than that. Right. There was a lot wrong with it. There was a lot that needed to be fixed. And one of the things that you rightly so um we're trying to get rid of was uh the my excess use of voiceovers which um which were mainly your character norman's and norman writes in a journal and i think i'm not sure yet but i think the the plot device was that you were hearing what he was writing about in his journal 
Maybe. But it still stunk. Um, yeah, it was it was really, really over the top, like just a lot of exposition that we could show instead of just saying. A couple other things to note is there's a common uh, device in screenwriting, which is that the writer describes what the audience is seeing by saying we. We do this. We, we move this. the camera here. We enter that. Yeah. 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 And I hated that for some reason. Um, and I'm told uh, by someone that's been in the industry a lot longer than I have that uh, other people also hate that. Um, but I took it out, um, and it was really difficult to take out, actually. I, I remember like struggling sometimes, like, how am I going to reword this so it still reads the same? Um, so I took out the voiceover. I took out use of the word we. Mm -hmm. And um, so one good thing, one neutral thing, because who really gives a shit? And then one bad thing I did was because we were planning on filming this ourselves, and um, I believe co-directing, we discussed this earlier and we're not sure, but I think we were going to co-direct. Um, I had this weird thing at the time where I felt like the actor should be able to choose how a line was delivered. So I didn't want to use realistic wording like gonna. So I would write going to like, what are you going to do? And then let the actor, if they want say, what are you going to do? Right. And put their own thing to it. So this reads really stiffly. Like a lot. Well, like a lot of scripts do actually, you know, that's, that's actually very, I mean, it's not that weird when you think about it. A lot of scripts do that. I have never seen that. Uh, but thanks for getting my back on that, yeah, man. I guess. So starting Urban Folktale, which was a working title. I guess we were planning on changing it. Really? Where does it, does it say it that? It says working title right there. I think that's uh, the... Uh, yeah, okay. Written by Trevor Thompson and Sean McBee. This is the third draft from 29 April 2002. Uh, I, I wonder if I spelled words with U's in them. I, yeah, right. Very I, British. This seems to be in my British phase. Yes. Oh, and this yes. one does have it. Fade in. Ah. Exterior, alley, night. Crates are stacked up along grimy brick walls. At, at the end of the alley is an overfilled dumpster. Slimy wads of shredded paper making a desperate attempt to escape their prison. Some of them <laughs> flitting away with the breeze. <laughs> you wrote that, bitch. Yeah, see, you in your draft wrote, Hayden is, in a word, a hellhole. And I was like, I want to describe a fucking hellhole. Which is exactly what you're not supposed to do. <laughs> you're supposed to have no, this is stuff you would see on the screen that would indicate a shitty place. But it is way very, overly flowery. It's very writery. Yeah. It's novely. Yeah. And not novel. It's just novelly. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of the alley is a dim circle of light cast by a yellow flickering street light. Into this walks a figure. Sean's Nikon. painting a picture. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. He is a young man in his mid-twenties. Nikon. He walks slowly with his head down, never glancing up to see where he is going. Approaching a fire escape, he pulls the ladder down and begins to climb. In his twenties, mid-twenties. Oh, boy. Exterior rooftop, night. 
Reaching the roof of the building, Nikon wipes his dirtied hands off on his coat with a slight sigh that is visible in the night chill. (laughs) (laughs) Across the rooftop at the edge sits another young man, silhouetted against the bright streetlights in front of the building. Now, I think we... I think we were going to shoot this. Uh, we should shoot on the that script. building that we had that party. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Uh, that was our Nikon. Mo- hmm? That was our model for any building in a script that we wrote at that time. Yeah. Well, we hung out on a lot of roofs. That's why they hang out on our roofs. Yes. We were we were roof dwelling, not Wolverines, but roof dwelling people. Yes. Uh, where am I? Nikon uh, slowly walks over. Nikon slowly walks over to where the young man is sitting. As he gets closer, it becomes apparent that the sitting man, Norman, is busily writing in a worn composition notebook. <laughs> there, worn composition. That's, where your, that's where your voiceover was coming from. Yeah, I knew it. Nikon sits next to him without a word. Norman doesn't look up at Nikon at all, fully concentrating on his writing. <laughs> you know, if we did this movie now, it would be a laptop. Yeah. But I wrote in a, in a, comp, in a composition notebook at the time. Yeah, oh yeah. Remember, yeah. I always had that thing. Yep. Norman doesn't look up at Nikon at all, fully concentrating on his writing. This doesn't seem to bother Nikon, who looks out at the street, watching cars go by. <sighs> Finally, Norman closes the book and looks up. You're late. Nikon shrugs. It's tough to do. Oh? Someone to see, maybe? So these dark, gothy guys are apparently also catty. oh someone to see maybe (laughs) norman is now the gay best friend on a sitcom (laughs) i'm sorry i don't i have to go back to my fucking goth mode now i don't want to talk about it i see the two sit and look at the scenery from the rooftop for a moment a couple of gargoyles (laughs) So so what the hell are you doing here Nikon looks at him quizzically. Oh, God. Well, we come up here to talk, right? You obviously made your big move, and judging by your face, it didn't go well. Went as well as could be expected. Condescending, pity, smile and all. The don't want to ruin our friendship talk? No. The I just don't think of you that way talk. Oh, it's over. Let's talk about you. What did you do today? I worked at the restaurant for a while, filled my do-nothing quota, and then got hungry waiting for you to show up. Nikon indicates Norman's notebook. What are you writing? Something I came up with today. A theory I call the cord. It's like, well, where do emotions come from? (laughs) (laughs) I just... God, I just got the douche chill so bad. <laughs> Trevor, you think it's bad reading it? You, this was your actual like philosophy in life. <laughs> I had to listen to you talk about this chord all the time. Well, the worst time. part, worst part about it was that you encouraged it. You were like, you know, that makes sense. I was like, does it really? <laughs> I don't know. I think I lived douche, douche, douche chills for like a number of years. Maybe later. I remember you being very, uh, very supportive of it. Yeah, earlier on, I could I could definitely see that. Back when we started this oh, yeah. in the 98, 99, we were still teenagers then. Yeah, yeah. This is, we were a little older. We were in our mid-20s, early 20s, I think. 
Yeah, this is 2002, so. It's like, well, where do emotions come from? <laughs> that's, almost oh, as, that's almost as bad as poverty got you down, old chum. <laughs> uh, to learn the story of poverty got you down, old chum, listen to our first two episodes. Highlander, the immortal battle continues. Yes. Ed. <laughs> Sean is a, is a comic book guy, you can tell. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like, <laughs> well, where do emotions come from? Man. Every, everything has to come from somewhere, right? Well, the way I see it, emotions run through us like electricity through a cord, especially pain. I mean, you can be happy and never even realize it, but pain, you always feel that. So the cord runs from the outside world, sucking in all the pain and whatnot that people throw at you, and it plugs right into your head, boom, without warning. I want to go home. <laughs> I feel like Nikon should be like, sorry, I fucking interrupted that. I feel like Nikon should You're push him off. having a great time. I'm going to go. I feel like Nikon should push him off the roof. <laughs> Oh, I he'd be doing him such a I favor with a girl. And this is what you tell me. You're a good friend. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Exactly. He's like, so how'd it go with you? I fucked up. All right. Well, let me tell you about the poetry I wrote. Um, boom. Without warning. <laughs> Icon turns that over in his head a couple times because that's some deep shit. He has to really concentrate and think about that. I wonder how I would act that line. How would I act? <laughs> you would put your you would you would hold your chin. And you would tilt your head, and you would look up into the left, <laughs> while making making a pensive frown. Hmm. Or as uh, or as Douglas Adams would say, I would think about it, which would require looking at the ceiling. Yes. So then uh, he he's pensive, and then he says, "Do you think I have a cord, my friend? Right now, I can practically hear the current running through it." Let's get some food. Take your mind off your girl troubles. Who knows? Maybe Sterling will come around. Then you, her, Kristen, and I can go on a double date. Night with Kristen. Fun. They start to walk off screen. You know, it's a lot more likely that I'd starve to death waiting by the phone for her to come around. Yes, you definitely have a cord. So what is a cord? A chip on your shoulder? No, this was your theory, dude. No, I know. So it is. Speaking as the theorist <laughs> for said that, yes, okay. that's what it means. If you have a cord, it means you have a chip on your shoulder for no good fucking reason. Cut to title card. The cord is in me. Varicose. Very close. <laughs> uh, that... I took verbatim from yours, obviously. Obviously. That's from, I could that's never that. write that. It's from the music. It's There's a song on the on Aeronauts album that has that lyric in it. Cut to interior, Randall's Grill, night. Hey, R Randall, you remember? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, oh, this is Randall. And we forgot. You're reading Randall. I'll read Howie. Oh, I forgot about Howie. I know, me too. So uh, when we were... Uh, side note, when we were writing this, we were hanging out at this awesome coffee shop that was named after the one from Friends, yeah. Central Perk, and because it's in, it was on Central Avenue. And it's in this script. 
Is it? Yeah. We, it is. Yeah. Did we keep the name? We changed the name, right? I don't know. We'll find out. I think out. we just called it Perk. Perk, okay. Because that's what we just called it. Anyway, this was a great uh, coffee shop. It was sort of in the ghetto, which is not so much the ghetto anymore these days. It's been gentrified. This coffee shop was open from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And Trevor and I hung out there almost every night. It was a magical place. And it, it remains, in my heart, a magical place. Oh, yeah. And it was run by this tiny Jewish guy named Howie. Yep. This is this is based on the Howie we, we once knew. And loved. Who... who uh, made that awesome coffee shop that was open in the middle of the night in a town that really didn't there was nothing going on during the day in Sarasota still really isn't so well i mean Sarasota had no nightlife it was a weird move to have a coffee shop that opens at 9 p.m. in Sarasota Florida yeah but yeah and he made it work and it was great okay moving on to Randall's Grill the small restaurant is occupied by only two people, Howie, who is stacking chairs on top of tables, and the owner, Randall, who is sweeping the floor. Because you can tell that he's the owner, because he's holding the broom, I guess. Um, as he sweeps, Randall bumps into a table, knocking one of the chairs off. Without missing a beat, Howie catches the chair with one hand, writing it, while he wipes down another table with the other hand. Randall doesn't even notice. The door opens to admit Norman and Nikon. The distinctive jingle of several small brass bells at the door announced them. What? There's a jingle bell oh, at the okay. door. Why didn't you just say that? Because <laughs> I'm a douchebag. <laughs> Randall looks at them for a moment before turning to Howie. Howie, I thought I told you to lock the door. Look at the riffraff that wanders in when you leave it unlocked. Randall, you are such a gentleman. That's Norman, by the way, not Howie. No, they'll know what Howie is. Oh, you're going to do a Jew voice? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> All right, good. Your food's getting cold, boys. Or there's no boys there. Read the line. Sorry, where are we? Say, Top of the page. Say your line again. Randall, you're such a gentleman. Your food's getting cold. Norman points to his watch and gives an accusatory look to Nikon, who just shrugs. Have a seat, guys. I'll get you food. <laughs> Howie was going to be played by Peter Falk. <laughs> uh, Norm, oh. You know, Peter Falk and, How and the real Howie were about the same height. That's very true. Norman gives a nod of thanks. And now I'm going to read it as Peter Falk. Okay. Norman gives a nod of thanks as Howie disappears into the kitchen. They then sit down at a table with no chairs stacked on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Propping his broom up in a corner, Randall joins as them. As if we thought when we filmed it, what are we going to do? All these fucking tables have chairs stacked on them. Well, we'll still stick the actor there because it's in the script. He's just going to be sitting there at a, <laughs> eating his <laughs> food and there's tables the chair stuck on the table. It's just like on the underside of the seat of the chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you wrote that line. <laughs> Cleared that right up. Randall joins them. Oh, Nikon, your girl stopped by. What? what? Who? Sterling? That's me, dummy. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me go back to Randall. Oh, Nikon, your girl stopped by. What? Who? Sterling? 
Randall gives Norman a confused look. Blonde? Brunette. Michelle. Right, that one. Nikon slumps a little. Oh, thanks. Howie comes out with two plates. Gentlemen, you pay dirt. <laughs> There's an accurate description of the food here. Oh, well, you're pretty picky for someone whose sole source of sustenance is my restaurant. Randall, we're so fucking hungry we could eat real dirt. Besides, it's not like we don't work for it. Just eat. Folks, that's called exposition right there, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Yeah. They work for food. And it's not a good example of exposition either. <laughs> that's why I felt the need to point it out. <laughs> Sorry. Scratching my beard. Norman and Nikon dig in as Howie seats himself. What, is he just sitting there watching them? <laughs> Norman and Nikon dig in as Howie seats himself. Norman practically stuffs his face. Nikon, on the other hand, merely pushes his food around with a fork, preoccupied. I thought you were hungry. What's the matter? No, food's fine. It's just, you know. Shrugs. You know, stuff. Jesus Christ, this kid's melodramatic. Dude, that's there's there's a draft that you wrote after mine that I was trying to find just for this scene because you wrote the kludgiest sentence I've ever, ever read. Yeah, in well, anything ever. What was it? It was like it was like when I preambulate my food. It's because I feel like it had like five different weird fucking words in it. Preamble. And I remember that wasn't the word, but it was words like that. Like words used in a completely different way than anyone in the modern age would ever use them. Right. And I, I just, I remember I went through it with a red pen. Your draft. <laughs> he puts food in his mouth and it just falls out and he goes, oh, what is the meaning of mastication? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, I circled it in red, and I just wrote, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I wish you did have that. I'd love to see that. I looked so hard for it, Trevor. You have no idea. <laughs> and and you had to explain. You literally had to explain to me. Like He said that when he moves his food or, he, or that when he's sad, all he can do is push his food around on his plate. <laughs> and that was your rewriting of this line. Was I going to lose weight for this role? <laughs> <laughs> Norman's eating like a fucking, like a like a pie eating champion. <laughs> and the big guy, and the big okay, guy's just fucking mopey and. He okay, sat, let's let's he, go read your line again. He's sad about his tits. All right, um, food's food's fine. Food's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Food's fine. It's just... Shrugs. You know, stuff. Norman interjects, talking around the food in his mouth. Girl troubles. Ah, the brunette? The blonde. Michelle. Sterling. Shit, I can't keep up with all this. I it's think only we, I, two I, names. Think we, I think we were supposed to do that like fucking vaudeville. Yeah. You want to do it again? Yeah. Food's fine. It's just... You know, stuff. Girl Troubles. Ah, the brunette. The blonde. Michelle. Sterling. Shit, I can't keep up with all this. 
It's only two names. <laughs> Randall shrugs and goes back to sweeping. Cut to exterior. Randon. Blah. Randon. <laughs> Cut to exterior. Randall's grill. Slash Norman and Nikon's apartment. Later. Establishing shot. A small structure on the roof of Randall's grill, whose walls look as if the paint might have been fresh somewhere around the time Napoleon rose to power. Good one. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm just going to take that as a real compliment. Yeah. Take the rest it, of the Take it with a grain of salt the size of the fucking moon. The rest of the structure doesn't look quite that good. Interior, Norman and Nikon's apartment, night. The inside of the apartment complements the outside quite nicely. The drywall has no shortage of coffee-colored stains, and on the ceiling there are a few places where wooden slats show through holes in the stucco. The apartment consists of one room with an unfinished bar that indicates the border where the living room ends and the kitchen begins. What? Against one... I don't even get that. An unfinished bar? Like a tavern like, bar? Like what's, it, like, like what's in my house? I don't even know what you mean. You're one of those counters that just fucking sticks out into the room. Oh, that's supposed to be an unfinished bar? Yeah. Well, I mean, theirs is unfinished. Yeah. Mine's got granite countertops. I know, dude. You're not. We know. Everyone knows you're not poor. Relax. I love not being poor. It's so new. <laughs> <laughs> the apartment consists of one room with an unfinished bar that indicates the border where the living room ends and the kitchen begins. So it's basically like a counter that's not quite there. Against one wall. I thought, wait, three... the apartment consists of one room. I thought they had rooms. I'm getting there. Okay. Against one wall are three doors, the middle one bearing a sign featuring a silhouette of a person wearing a dress, the international sign of four ladies' room. These guys. So they, they each have a bedroom and there's a bathroom. Okay. So the first line about... And apparently the these apartment. mopey bastards still have a great sense of humor. Hey, let's put the ladies', ladies room sign in the bathroom. That would be funny. Yeah, dude, we we wanted to build this thing so bad. I, yeah, I I really did. Like the the this was the time of like having like one reason to do something like <laughs> like Corona Trek. I, we really just wanted to build a fort out in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Actually, um, this the description is not in here, but um, and maybe maybe we changed our mind um, when it went from robber's domain to this. But the original idea was that God, you know, you're right. I do remember fleshing out that whole, like the idea of the bank robbery thing yeah. now, because the walls were going to be unfinished. It was going to be like studs yeah. that they put like dozens of street signs over. Yeah. Like instead of drywall, they had street signs. Yeah. And their couch And I was suddenly a remember that there was an area where they could like, one street sign was on hinges and they could pull it down and that was like where they hid their stash. Exactly. Um, their and I, stash. I always thought like their stash, meaning the money, like the money. Yeah. Okay. All this time. I thought that this set still was going to look like that. And the idea for robber's domain, um, not, not, not the idea, but the, the idea of having one weird set like that. Do you remember where that came from? Pulp fiction. Yeah. It was Quentin saying that in every movie he yeah. wanted to have one big set and in the case of was like uh, one big wild set and in the case of that quote it was he was talking about uh jackrabbit slims for jackrabbit slims yeah 
Pulp Fiction. Um, and and so this was our Jackrabbit Slims. Uh, Go ahead. Where are we? I'm Nikon trying to is, find. Oh, Nikon is sitting room. on what passes for their couch. Nikon is sitting on what passes for their couch. A bus stop bench with some pillows and a ratty blanket to give the illusion of comfort. He's watching an old black and white cabinet style TV. I didn't remember that. That's cool. That's actually clever. Norman is in the kitchen dialing a phone number because <laughs> they have a phone. <laughs> Not dialing a phone. Dialing a phone number. Yeah. Norman finishes dialing and put the, puts the phone to his ear, peeking into the living room. The sound of the phone ringing on the other end of the line can be heard throughout. Hey, Nikon, can you try to look a little more dejected? I'm not quite ready to kill myself yet. That's Still ringing. F- that's actually funny. Yeah. It feels like, that feels like you ad-libbing that <laughs> now, sitting here. <laughs> yeah, there are some good bits of, like, uh, repartee in here, yeah. really. Yeah. All right, say it again. I'm sorry. Hey, Nikon, can you try to look a little more dejected? I'm not quite ready to kill myself yet. Still ringing. I'm allowed to be depressed, aren't I? Ring. I'm allowed to walk around the house naked, but I've got better things to do. Ring. Well, I don't. Ring. Nike, you're watching a documentary about ants on a black and white TV with more snow than show. Ring. It's really interesting. Ring. Why don't you call Michelle and do something with her? Ring. Because you're on the phone, genius. <laughs> That's Norman actually, hangs up the phone. <laughs> That's actually funny. <laughs> Kristen wasn't home anyway. Now are you going to call Michelle? Yeah, the next commercial. Norman sighs and dials another number. You didn't sigh. <sighs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> On phone. Sarah. Hey, it's Norman. Is Kristen there perchance? Dot 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 dot. Got a lot of dots there. So that the actor reading it the actor reading it knows how long to wait. Yeah. But is Kristen there perchance? The beach? So all those dots, and I think it's like what, eight? Yeah. There's way more than eight there. 11, 11 dots for her to go. No, she's at the beach. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You do that and I'll say the, her line and you, you do it in the space that's allotted there. Go. Okay. Sarah. Hey, it's Norman. Is Kristen there perchance? No, she's at the beach. The beach. <laughs> it's like one in the morning. Did she say who she was going with? Oh, well. Thanks. Go fuck yourself. You too. <laughs> Bye. A lot of he dots. hangs up the phone and grabs his coat. Guess I'm going to the beach. Another line that wouldn't work if it was in Pennsylvania, by the way. Yeah. Well, Jersey. You're going to drive all the way out to Jersey. (laughs) Be back in two hours. He hangs up his phone and grabs his coat. Guess I'm going to the beach. He leaves. As the door closes, Nikon shakes his head ruefully. Don't do anyone I wouldn't do. Like your fucking girlfriend. The door opens and Norman's head pokes through. And call Michelle. You need to get out. 
With that, he's gone. Like, oh. No, I got it. I had to turn the page, though. Turn the Nikon page. watches the ants for a few more seconds, then, with a sigh, gets up and picks up the phone. Cut to, we clearly don't give a shit about what this guy's doing. <laughs> Exterior beach night. Dude, I, I'm fucking descripty as a fucker. Yeah, but you had to get rid of that voiceover. I did. I did. Yeah, that shit's gone. It's gone. And I would have been reading that anyway, so who cares? So, um, Norman is walking along the shore, the same tattered notebook under his arm. He looks down the beach. Ahead. You know what? It didn't occur to me. Like, I thought that we were just putting my own personal uh, affectation into the thing with the notebook. But we're really ripping off basketball diaries because I stole writing in a composition notebook all the time from basketball diaries for yeah. my life. For me, it was always Doogie Howser, MD. I would I would sit there with my uh, my my open Apple two C and write three lines into my journal, and then you would climb, and then you would and then you would climb in through my window, and say something goofy and and oddly misogynistic, and then leave. Ah, those are the good old days. Yep. You know what else I stole from uh, Basketball Diaries? What? Masturbating on rooftops. Oh yes, yes, always a good time. Of course. Anyway, <laughs> um, by the way, this Norman podcast this podcast endorses masturbation anywhere, but specifically rooftops. Norman is walking along the shore, the same tattered notebook under his arm. He looks down the beach ahead of him as he walks. As he passes a lifeguard tower, he hears an exclamation of pain followed by a girlish giggle. Walking around to take a look, <laughs> he, sees, he sees an anime taking place. <laughs> He sees someone in the area under a tower, under the tower. As he gets closer, he notices a woman's bare back, partially obscured by blonde hair. Really the woman in question seems to be sitting atop a man and rocking back and forth. Why can't you just say he sees his girlfriend getting fucked? Because uh, this is... Because apparently oh, this was written by the Anne... The shot was framed. This was apparently written by Anne Rice. <laughs> the muscles in his jaw suddenly... <laughs> See? You said Anne Rice, and then I read that, and I lost it. <laughs> I read a lot of Anne Rice at that point, I think. You did. Yeah, we both did. Or, or not long before then. Uh, the muscles in his jaw suddenly become very prominent, and his hands curl into tight fists, the knuckles going white. He closes his eyes and takes a deep breath, holding it. After several seconds, he releases his breath, opens his eyes, and makes a deliber deliberate effort to unclench his fists. Oh, he walks over. So involved in their activities. You know what's so couple. funny is the fact that you like wanted to get rid of, of all this stuff that helps the actor, like the way you word shit. Literally, you're, you're going in here and typing out an actor's performance. <laughs> yeah, but I'm that actor. Yeah, I guess. But we were trying to make it more of a professional script at that point i think but anyway yeah but i was always going to be norman yeah um doo -doo -doo -doo. so involved in their activities is this couple that they don't notice norman about two feet from them leaning on one of the tower's support beams he kneels down to their level if she calls you norman don't be upset that's me the woman emits a yelp and falls over into the sand covering herself with a towel she emits a yelp 
Yeah. Yep. Which the man immediately. The man immediately takes the closest equivalent to a fight stance he can manage while lying down and feeling a bit exposed. <laughs> this is an anime. You go ahead and be Hank. Okay. What the fuck? The woman sits up. Norman, what the fuck are you doing here? Well, for starters, watching my girlfriend fuck some guy I don't know who, by the looks of things, looks down at the man, doesn't quite measure up. Kristen, who the fuck? Hank, just shut the fuck up for a second. Hank does so, taking a moment to tuck himself back into his swim trunks. Yeah, Hank, we're trying to have a discussion here. As a matter of fact, you might want to just scurry back into whatever damp corner you came from. Okay, Norman, you made your point. You better, to Hank. You better go. Hank puts a hand on Kristen's shoulder in a protective manner. Yeah, fuck that. I'm going to kick this pussy's ass. Norman's sarcasm is gone in a flash. His eyes turn stone cold and his voice more so. Oh, my God. <laughs> who, is he? who is he, Bruce Lee? Uh, You're going to want to remove your hand from my girlfriend right now. You wouldn't like me when I'm very angry. <laughs> Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, I I did say. Side note, I did say I was totally gonna be Norman. Um, I'm five three. Yeah. And at this point in my life, was topping out at 115 pounds. So yeah. picture that when you're picturing this guy being all menacing. <laughs> do it again. Come on, Stallone. Do it again. You're going to want to remove your hand from my girlfriend right now. Or what? Hank, leave. I'll explain later, okay? Hank seems to think it over for a second. Eventually, he stands. He tries to give Kristen a goodbye kiss, <laughs> but she slightly yet urgently shakes her head no. Hank gives Norman a glare as he walks past, but Norman's too busy glaring at Kristen to notice. A few feet away, Hank stops. <laughs> When can I see you again? Norman replies without taking his eyes from Kristen. Check every morning for winged pigs. When you see them, you'll know. And fuck you, you jealous bitch. Hank leaves, glancing back every so often as he goes. Finally, he is gone, and Kristen breaks the silence. Norman, I... Save it. He stands up and starts to walk away. Kristen begins crying, and he stops. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo-hoo. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Just, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> you wrote that Kristen does a, a bad droopy dog impression. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean. Oh, Norman. <laughs> Norman turns around and stands over her. Jesus. Put on some fucking clothes. Kristen, still sobbing, does so. Muttering and crying all the while. I'm going to do the dot, dot, dot thing now. Okay. I... I didn't, I mean, you, you, I just. She breaks down <laughs> into incomprehensible sob speak. Norman kneels down beside her. His voice is much more comforting than before. Hey, stop crying, okay? Do you want to tell me what that was? We. Yeah, I saw that part. You want to tell me why? I'm, I've just been so lonely lately. 
I never get to see you. I mean, that's no reason to cheat on you, I know, but you know, it gets hard being all alone and and then some fresh blood comes along and I don't fresh blood? I think the phrase you're looking for is fresh semen. That's not fair or funny. I know what I did was wrong. <laughs> I know what I did was wrong, but it's your fault too. What am I supposed to do when my boyfriend's too busy sleeping to see me? Hank was there for me, but he was nice to me. Let me get this straight. It's my fault that you fucked that piece of shit. What was his name? Hank? What, three times? Kristen nods slightly. I Sorry, I was distracted because I was wondering, how does he know three times? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, that's more. Maybe this is the third time. That's, I don't know. That's more of that getting rid of the voiceover and putting your exposition elsewhere. So you're going to cheat on me and then tell me how nice the piece of shit is and you cheat because, because I work when I'm not, because I work and when I'm not working, I <gasps> gasp, get tired and sleep. Is that right? Norman, it's just, it's not just that you sleep. I mean, when you're sleeping, you're at perk or working or on some stupid roof with Nikon or God knows where. Anywhere but with me. Anything that makes me feel. There's no reason you can't come to those places with me. None. If you really cared about spending time with me, you would. Period. No. The places... <laughs> Sorry, I, I read that intentionally like he was calling her a period. Oh, yeah. She is on the rag. No. Period. The places you go are shitholes. And when you go there, Nikon is with you. And guess what? Nikon hates me. So I'll pass. Thanks. Nikon does not hate you. Even if he did, I don't see how it relates to the fact that you're fucking that piece of shit. Stop calling him a piece of shit. You don't even know him. Oh, now you're standing up for his honor. How noble. You don't have to call him a piece of shit. Well, I caught him with his dick inside my girlfriend first. Secondly, he tried to kiss you goodbye in front of your boyfriend. That's what I'd call a piece of shit. That was a shitty move. Look, I, I said I was sorry. This is the third time you've cheated on me. With Hank! I mean, at least now I know the piece of the guy's name. I, I don't know what to do. I don't want to lose you, Norman. I don't want to lose you either. For some reason, I don't. Fuck, I'm stupid. Because you're such a catch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're great. And by the way, this is I, how this is. I how, love what the feel of other guys' semen rubbing on my cock feels like. And this is how we're introduced to her too. So right off the yeah. bat, if this is the first thing we see, and then we see that Norman is is desperate to keep her around, it's just like, hi, this is your hero. He's an idiot. <laughs> this is the film's protagonist, and he's a complete moron. <laughs> I don't want to lose you either, so I guess you get one more chance. I'll spend more time with you, and you'll never see that guy again, or I'll leave you on the spot. I'm serious. Okay. But I need you around more. I really do. Then let's start now. Let me treat you to hot chocolate at Denny's. What is she, a little girl? <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Okay. For context, hot everybody. That's the thing. Hot, hot chocolate, chocolate was at Denny's was fucking like heaven for us for us but nobody else in the real world nobody else in the adult world <laughs> fucking whatever <laughs> oh but for us god damn walk into denny's sit at our table get Part poured a fucking get a, get a carafe of hot chocolate and two mugs and a whole can of whipped cream which we did not pay for ever it was given to not us not ever 
on yeah. the house. So that's the way and we never, never had to wait for a table, which is why one time we tried to wait for a table and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Go sit down. That's right. They walked up to us like, what are you doing? Go sit down. Like, oh, like, there's right. a line. Like, fuck those people. Fuck, yeah. They literally <laughs> said that. I think it was, I think it was, uh, the, the, the heavy chick, what her name was. I forget Patty or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't remember, her name but I do, but but Denny's did have a lot of, of influence on Randall's Bar and Grill. The idea that you come in to an establishment and, you know, like cheers, everyone there knows you and everyone, you know, is there. You feel like a rock star when you're there. I mean, it was kind of the glorified version of something, meaning that, like, not only are you so at home there, you're literally at home because you're up on the, you know, they live upstairs up on the roof of this restaurant. Yeah, because we put all that thought into it. Um, well, you know, hindsight is 50, 50. I'm getting analytical. I'm getting an or 2020. I'm getting analytical. <laughs> hindsight is, yeah, it could go either way. <laughs> In this case, that's actually true. Oh, uh, let me treat you to a hot chocolate at Denny's. Remember what I said about shitholes? Fine. Find another place that's open at quarter till two in the morning. Good point. And that, folks, is where we're going to stop for this episode. Next time, you will see the fantastic adventures of Norman and Kristen at Denny's. I promise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next episode, that's where we start. Norman and Kristen, the wonderful uh, girlfriend at Denny's. God, Sean, that was fucking painful. <laughs> and we're on what? Like page like eight? 13. Oh, okay. Well, I think uh, I think the next ones that we do, we got to we gotta move it along a little bit. Uh, not so much commentary. Although there was a lot of shit to set up, though, too. Yeah, the, the intro was, oh, pretty long. The intro. Well, not the intro, but the us introducing the whole thing and getting into the backstory. That's, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the intro. Okay. Not the intro, us introducing everything. No, 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 the intro meaning the production intro. Which no, we, no, I meant, I meant yeah, the, I the intro of the show, not the... The show, not the tell. I understand. The, the, introdu the introduction of the episode. Yes. Not well, the intro to the show. We're just getting we're, into it. We're a, doing it again. We are rambling like months. Exactly. So um, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at the Ferris House. Uh, listen to our other podcast, Touche El Douche. Um, anything else to, to wrap it up with, Sean, that you can think um, of? If you haven't already, you can now subscribe to Table Reads through iTunes. Oh, yes. Go find it. Uh, there are a couple There are a couple different things. There's uh, the Blacklist Table Reads. That's not us. That's some other assholes. Um, then there's Table Reads, the podcast. That's not us. That's some other asshole. We're just Table Reads. Yep. Find it. Subscribe. Listen um, and laugh at us. We do. Yeah, we, we certainly enjoy laughing at ourselves. So why wouldn't you? And uh, with that in mind, we're, we're out for part one. And we'll see you next time, whatever time that is, for part two of Urban Folktale. Say goodnight, Sean. No. This podcast 
was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs>